Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, a quick trigger warning. We do talk about suicide in this episode just briefly, but just wanted to put that out there. All right, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Amy. Amy Kincaid has a master's degree in psychology, which I'm going to be doing next fall (laughs) or this fall, (laughs) not next fall. I start my master's program this fall in psychology. Uh, She ended up on an unconventional career path making successful career in market market research versus pursuing traditional therapy slash counseling. But she believes psychology principles apply to life in general and realize the importance of understanding the mind when she had children. Oh, yes. As a person who suffered from depression most of her life, she is determined to raise strong and resilient children. As a mother, she fell in love with psychology all over again, reading books from book after book. She's an avid speed reader. I love to read as well. Um, Right now I am reading, oh, what is the name of it? Uh, It's the American History on Racism. Oh, wow. uh, Stamped in the beginning, from the beginning. And uh, that is a very dense book. And it is taking me a while to get through. It's a very thick book too. Uh, (laughs) Taking me a while to get through it because I'm like, whew, this is a lot of information. You kind of feel like in the beginning you're reading a textbook and you're like, holy crap. I'm very informative too though. Uh, So now Amy is a blogger focused on positive affirmation and life hacks for retaining our brains to remove the inherent negative bias her passion is finding the balance between overprotecting and empowering our kids. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Megan, so much for having me. And uh, congratulations on getting a psychology degree. That's awesome. Like thank I said, you. whatever you do with it, I feel like it only can enrich your life. Yeah, um, I, I, I quote unquote graduate. And by the time people hear this, it'll be like a month later, but uh, this Friday, June 11th. Uh, oh, my congratulations. and then I start my master's in the fall. So I'm, I'm very excited and, uh, also nervous, but thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was, uh, the master's is even better because you just, it's just a smaller groups and people that have the same passion as you do. So you are going to love it. <laughs> I do. I like in person, but I like the small groups. Like when I was in an undergraduate like lecture and there's like 200 people, I'm like, this is, this is too much like yeah you're gonna I will tell you you're gonna have some very very deep conversations in your master's program which I know you'll love (laughs) I love it (laughs) that's right up my alley yeah so as a mom like I'm a mom of four Uh, my kids are well one is 18 and is graduating Uh, and then I have one who's turning 12 in August and twins who are turning 10 in August Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we, I have four. So I understand being a mom, I've been around the block for a while. Uh, So what I would like to start out um, is how you got to this point of talking about empowering and overprotecting your kids. What in your experience with motherhood brought you? So, 
you know, it's so funny because when I, so I have a, I have two kids and my first one, Mira is a daughter and she is 15 now. And I remember being pregnant with her and we had a hard time getting pregnant. So when I was pregnant with her, I was overjoyed, but I remember going to a doctor's appointment and then going to a restaurant with my um, uh, husband after. And I just started crying. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh my God, I suffered so much from depression when I was young. What if she has that? I don't want that from her. Mm. And he's like, what are you talking about? I understand and so I just this started, very much. Yeah. You know, it really hit home. It's like, I just didn't want my daughter to have some of those stuff that, you know, and I'm fine. I had an amazing supportive family, but what I realized, my family gave me unconditional love and I was really lucky, but I realized I didn't have a lot of coping skills and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Indian, Indian culture. I mean, they, they just plow you with love and encouragement, but I realized we need coping skills. And then as my, you know, then I have a son too. And as the kids started to get kind of older, you know, first of all, when you get into school, it's like stop bullying is everywhere. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I feel like I don't, I hate stop bullying. Not that we shouldn't bully, but you know, you, you now that we're, now that I'm a grown up, a bully's never going to go away. There's going to be a bully at work. There's going to be a bully. Yeah. That's just how inherent human beings are. So what I want to teach my kids is yes, of course, stop bullying, but it's almost like you need coping skills to do that. So stop bullying can't mean, and then I realized that everyone has their own definition of bully. Like, you know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, you know, we called each other's names. Now, if you call someone a name, it's automatic bullying and, it, and it's wrong and you shouldn't do it, but m- right. let's just promote kindness and positivity. I think when you try and stop a negative and focus on a negative, I'm not sure you get anywhere. Um, and so I just tell my kids, like, just don't let people have power over you. Someone calls you stupid. Like, are you stupid? No. You know, um, you have 10 friends that love you. Why would you let this one person? And we just have real conversations about, um, you know, just don't give anybody power over yourself. You know, they, don't let them win. If they're a bully, then put them down by just not agreeing with what they say. So I just really would like, and I, I really would like people to kind of, you know, teach them coping skills and trust coping because stop bullying is more of a protective um you know, reaction, which is great, but where do we draw the line with protection versus just also making them a victim where they don't, you know, later on in life, that might be hard for them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. There's like this fine line, right? Between like, we do want bullying to stop, but we also want our kids to be able to deal with bullying. My son gets bullied a lot because he has ADHD and he's a little different than everybody else. Um, when you are talking about kids getting stuff, I'm like, well, I have bipolar disorder. One of my kids has bipolar disorder. The other one has ADHD. <laughs> one has ODD. The fourth one is just like, I'm waiting, like, what's going on? <laughs> but yeah, we, they need to have, and I taught, I tried to teach my 18 year old that that was very difficult because she, she had like, um, you know, mental health issues and stuff and struggled with depression. And now we know it's bipolar disorder. So, um, that kind of got in the way, but I always, I teach my kids. I'm like, don't retaliate with calling them names. Don't retaliate. I've always said like, people are like, well, I tell my kids just punch them in the face. And I'm like, no, I tell my kids, the only time you should use physical violence is if you can't get out of the situation, right? Like if they like, there's no other option. And then if you need to knock the kid out, because like you need to get out of that situation because they won't let you go, then go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, hundred percent. You should always, you know, 
defend yourself physically if someone's attacking you, of course. But I always tell them, you know, feel sorry for them. But, right. And I say, you know, tell them this, wow, I feel really bad for you that you have to put down other people to feel good about yourself. And I mean, what could how, be going on in their, their household that would cause them to act that way? Cause some, a lot of times it comes back to they're being abused at home or they're being bullied at home or whatever, you know, I, I try to tell my kids, you don't know what's going at home. Like how, try to have some empathy for these people. Yeah, I totally agree. And then how do you respond to that? If you're bullying me and I say, you know, I feel really sorry for you that you have to put people down to feel good. If you call them a name, they can just call you a stronger name. If you push them, they can push back. But when you say something like, wow, I just feel really bad for you. Like there's really no answer response to that. Like then it's, you know, and then if they're still doing it, I mean, that's truly mean. And I'm, I'm not saying, yeah, bullying is wrong and so forth, but kids are also young and stupid. So <laughs> you just like, you have, I, I just think you have to teach coping skills. And now that I am an adult, I, I do feel like there's always a bully. When you're driving, someone's going to flip you off yes. when you're going. And if, if my kids are driving and someone flips them off, I don't want them to go into road rage. And right. I want them to say, you know what, that person's probably having a bad day. I'm just going to ignore them and not give them that power over me. I'm just going to go on with my day. I usually am just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why would you do that? Like, whatever. Like, you know, like people get so too serious about driving on the road. Like, yes. Uh, like, come yes. on. Just if we all just followed the rules, it would go by real fast. Like, but people are like in such a rush and they're like, you know, I, I'm just like, where do you got to go that fast where you might cause an accident because you're, you're doing that? Like, do you find like, I don't know if you have to drop your kids off at school, but oh my gosh. Yes. But people, yeah. uh, when, uh, parents going to work are the worst. Oh yeah. Error so in the world. we have a parent drop-off zone, right? Well, you always have a couple parents who will stop at the sidewalk yeah. and drop their kid off instead of going in the dropout, which just yep. causes a traffic like back up. And then yeah. the parents who are in the drop-off line can't drop off their kids because nobody can leave because you have this stupid person <laughs> like is blocking the crosswalk. I'm like, are you in that much of a hurry? You can't wait not even five minutes in the parent yeah. drop-off to actually drop your kid off where you're supposed to. Yeah. We have the same, same issues. And I, and I, and I think that we all just need, I'm hoping this pandemic will teach us that. It's almost like I, I use the term like emotional intelligence or social cues. Just look around you. I, I think they're in their bubble. They're like, I'm late for work. They tell the kid, I'm just going to pull over and get out. But if they just looked up and saw all these cars and like what's happening, then it's like, okay, I just need to be late for work. You know, I think it's just yeah. we're so on autopilot that we forget to look up and look at our surroundings. And yeah. I think people don't mean to do that, but I just think just look up, figure out, you know, know that there's other people around you and we're all trying to kind of get through this together and whatever you do does impact other people. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I agree with you. You get bullied at any age. I'm, I mean, I'm a full grown adult and people have bullied me on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You're a, you probably get, Oh my gosh, I get it all Com- you probably get really mean comments. I mean, when you put yourself out there, you, that comes with the territory. I get it more on my personal. I don't really get it on the podcast. I get it on oh, my really? personal page last year was insane. Like people were just like people you would have never expected to say these things or believe certain things 
were just coming out of the woodwork and saying the worst things in the world. I had a guy I went to high school with, I've known since I, or I went to school with like elementary on up. And I've known since I was a little kid, like just attacking me on the internet. And I'm just like, I thought you were nice and you are just a mean person. You know what though? You're right. I mean, with the election and the pandemic and all the political stuff, oh my God, it was a new world with Facebook. It wasn't, it was like people we knew that were saying, I mean, someone post a picture and they're like, I hope you're wearing a mask. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Why aren't you doing, and yes, I just, a picture, I always tell people, please don't ever judge people on a picture. Maybe they right. took it off for one second. You don't know the context. Right. And if you don't agree with it, don't agree with it. Don't hang out with that person. But why do you, why do you feel the urge to have to police and, and comment? There are enough police out there. There's enough rules out there. You don't have to be the finger pointer all the time. You just don't, you know, just don't comment. Um, that's the problem. People feel like they want to comment when they don't agree with something. And, you know, people are like, I just think like, you know, this whole political campaign taught me like, you know, people sorry, I'm a constitutionalist and we have rights. And I'm like, but where's the right that we just agree to disagree and respect each other. It's okay to have a different opinion. You don't have to agree with me. You don't even feel like me, but I don't understand why you have to uh, comment like on everything. If you, if you don't like me, don't comment, just ignore me. <laughs> I told the guy, I was like, if that's how you feel about me, just delete me off social media. And he didn't. So I deleted him. I deleted, oh, like, <laughs> I deleted like over a hundred people last year. I was like, I want my social wow. media. I want my private Facebook to be far less people. So I was just like, no, if, if they post anything bigoted, hateful, very conspiracy theory. Woo. Um, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, you're out. Cause like, I don't want to see that on my newsfeed. We're not that close. There's only like one person that I just hid from my newsfeed because like we are that close. And like, I'm like, I can't handle your posts, but I love you. And you are like a family member and I, I can't just can't bring myself to delete you. Well, yeah, I deleted over well over a hundred people. And this, and this year I'm, I'm not even deleting people for stuff like that. I'm just like, if I, we're not close, we don't interact. And, and I, I don't see why you need to be on my social media, seeing all my posts. Yeah. Like, so I'm just like, delete, delete. <laughs> oh I, yeah. I have like 500 and some odd friends on Facebook, which may not seem like a lot, but that is that's a lot for yeah, but that's when I was an entrepreneur, I had 1500. Oh my God. I went through and like cleared like space and that I'm still trying to, I would prefer to be like under 300. That would be great. I'm slowly making my way there. <laughs> Good for, and I hear you, you want, I mean, if you, if you're, you want positive on Facebook as well. And you know, the, the other thing is from a, just from a mental health perspective, I mean, Facebook is designed where people post their, their best moments often. So if you have 1500 people and all they post is a positive, you actually, your brain gets a, a false sense of reality. Oh my God, I'm struggling and everybody's in Hawaii. Like, it's just, and it's, that's not reality, but I, I think our brain, um, you know, we may know internally like, okay, I know it's just temporary, but if you constantly see people having fun and you feel stressed, it's actually not very healthy. Yeah. Um, you need to balance between real life and, you know, the best parts of life and the worst parts of life. You need to be exposed to both. Yeah, um, absolutely. So when it comes to social media, how does this impact our kids? Like, how do we empower our kids 
Like, have your kids had issues with social media? Because I know mine have, or my oldest and the other ones yeah. have social media right now. Um, you know, I, I think I'm really, I, the funny thing is I think I learned a lot from my daughter as well. Luckily, she is one of those kids that like, if she doesn't like something, she'll just walk away. So she's not big on social media, but she, I have seen a lot of drama with her friends and so forth. And I think, um, um, you know, I think that's probably why she doesn't like some of the social media because she's like, I don't see the point, which is great. So I'm really lucky with that. Now my son's still young, so we'll see where that goes. And he is a lot more sensitive, but I feel like I've been impacted by social media. And, you know, as someone that suffers from depression, I was like, um, you know, I don't go on that much. I go on twice a day and kind of scroll through, but I mean, you have to wonder, like, I feel like sometimes when I do post, and you get the people that like right away and it's the same people you're like they must be on here or they must get their <laughs> notification i think that's the what i think there is no reason you need to have notifications on your Facebook. oh no notifications through social media are completely off my phone so when i was a coach me too i explained it to people like this we have a primitive there's there's studies about this we have a primitive brain and so our brain isn't isn't built to deal with dings and notifications <laughs> So what it does is it, it computes it as an emergency. So even if you decide, oh, it's not an emergency, I'm not going to respond right away. Your brain doesn't know that. And it stays in the back of your brain and you can't be as productive and it's going to keep there. It's going to keep bugging you until you answer. So when I was a coach, I decided like I shut off all notification. There's no dings. There's no banners. There's no nothing social media on my phone because then I can go check it when I want um and uh Facebook Messenger is the only one I have on because I communicate with my middle daughter's uh bonus mom on uh Facebook Messenger so I always want to keep that on and my text obviously but yeah no emails no like none of that stuff is so emergent that I need to have all these dings like I can go in my own time and check it like when I'm, I work, I work from home. If I need to check my email for work, I have it up on my computer. I can see it then. I don't need it on my phone to go ding, ding, ding. Like, no. And that's what people don't get. So like in my job, uh, we use, it's a small marketing company and we use Voxer to communicate, which is like a walkie talkie app. And recently I had to shut, shut off like the banners, everything. I even I even decided to put my phone on do not disturb mode from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. Because we all, it's great. We all have flexible working hours, but I would have like dings when I woke up and all this. I'm like, I can't because then I have to, I feel like I have to answer and it messes my whole vibe. So I did. So yeah, the dings and all of that, there is actual science on the reason why it's very distracting. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I see that now. I mean, a ding, you automatically look, and that's why people are always looking at their phones mm-hmm. because it's like those dings, ding, you know, even if you put on silent, it vibrates. And I just think that's the worst is to have notifications um, on your phone because you're going to get, I mean, you know, these, if you, I watched that social dilemma, but I knew this before, like, you know, you know, they are designed to keep you on there. The yeah. dings are there because they want you to keep checking the, you know, gives you a dopamine stuff. hit in your brain. Yes. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, what is that? And then it's like curiosity too. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I keep my text notifications because we have kids we have to, we have to, and yeah. something. but when the, when the text comes, I do chat. I mean, I, I look at my phone automatically. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. And decide if it's important or not, but yeah, we should not be doing that with Facebook and, you know, other things yeah. because 
you'll never be off your phone. Right. No, I agree. Hey everyone, I wanted to hop in here real quick and say the Inspired Women podcast is on Patreon. A lot of people have asked how they can support the podcast since it's my hobby and I'm not really doing sponsorships anymore. You can go to patreon.com forward slash inspired women podcast. It'll also be linked up in the show notes. But it's a way to contribute, maybe buy me a cup of coffee, whatever. Uh, there are three membership le- levels, uh, $5, $10, $20. All of them will get you a shout out on the podcast as a thank you for supporting the podcast. I may have merch coming in the future when, you know, I actually have the motivation to create something creative because I'm not a super creative person. So memberships can be canceled at any point in time. If you'd like to head over there, you know, contribute something, that's great. If not, no problem. I just wanted to answer the calls for some way to support the podcast in an easy way. That's not me giving out my personal PayPal account. All right, everyone, enjoy the rest of the episode. So um, to pivot a little bit, what is the difference between overprotecting and empowering kids? How do we differentiate between that? Like what in your personal experience have you dealt with that? Like, have you dealt with where you felt like you were overprotecting and you're like, got to reel yourself in or? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think all of us moms start out as helicopter moms, at least with the first child, because you know, it's so, but what I realized, um, so I'm a big believer. I I just kind of look at kids I really admire and I, and I think about it and I, I, to this day, now I am very lucky because I'm part of a very large Indian family, extended family. So I call, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, not so much like they're, they're um, kids of cousins, but I have like 20 cousins and then they have kids. Yeah. And so we have so many uh, different kinds of kids. And so my daughter, who's 15, her role models, and she just loves to spend time with it, are her kind of older aunts and uncles who are in their 20s. You know what I mean? I, and they're in our culture, I feel so blessed. It really brought to life for me. And I grew up that way too. But what I realized was, um, you know, they're real people. So she sees kind of the good and the bad. She's not admiring someone that's like too aspirational. Right. So I think that's, I think that's one thing. Now, what I realized was, um, um, you have to be a self-advocate though. Um, I think that, um, when I was growing up, I was a very sheltered family. And even though my, you know, parents, like they weren't the kind that like helped with homework or signed me up for extracurricular activities, but they always said like, oh, I need to take this class so I can take the SAT. They would just pay for it. They would just, you know, I never really kind of, I was, example is um, I was a really good student. I only applied to schools I knew I would get into. So I've never even experienced a rejection letter because I knew Uh, I went to UCLA. I I, I probably, I'm hoping like looking back, I'm like, why didn't I apply to Harvard and Stanford? I just didn't want to take the risk. Like I just could not deal with rejection. And And also very expensive. (laughs) That's true, that's true. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that to my parents. And I realized when I got to UCLA, everybody's brilliant. Like you're nothing special. Um, So how do you, and then you're exactly, you said earlier, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of over the 200 people, you know, in my class. Yeah. My first class at UCLA, my psychology class, a thousand people. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so (laughs) I, and, and, you know, I was overwhelmed and luckily 
I, I, I had a lot of depression in college. And then luckily I got on therapy and I learned kind of coping skills and basically to be a self-advocate. Yeah. And so, yes, now we protect. And I think I'm really into this topic right now since the pandemic. So obviously during the pandemic, people got very protective of their kids, which of yeah. course, so did I. Um, but it, all I heard was this is unfair and this is unfair. And I, and I always told myself, I will never raise my kids to be like a victim of something. There's always something you can do. Right. And people are constantly complaining about the, yes, the online learning wasn't ideal, no. but I said, let's take the opportunity, but we're living, but look at the broader picture. Yes. They're not yeah. getting a great school. They're living in a pandemic. Teach them how to navigate through crisis. Like that's just as important. If you constantly tell them like, this isn't fair. You got, you got a bad shake or I can't believe you're not having this. Then they, you're victim. You're making them a victim. It internalizes, they internalize it. What you want to do is like, you know, okay. um, I can't, you know, do this math class online. Okay. You know what? Let it go. Let's do some extra stuff on the side to get you where you need to be. I don't care about the grade. It's fine. Everybody's in the same, you know, like talking them through it versus blaming the teacher. Like, well, this isn't fair. My kid, this, and my kid, that, and my kid, that. Oh, my. And, you know, it really struck me because I remember I was in uh, a conversation with a group of women and, you know, someone said, oh, you know, my son's really struggling in this class. And everybody jumped in. It's like, you need to call that teacher because, you know, it's online. And just because they don't turn their assignments, maybe they don't know how. And you need to call that teacher. And you need to call that teacher. And it was funny because I'm I am such a rule follower and I read everything. So when my my, my daughter started uh, high school, it was the ninth grade. So I read it and I and I said, you know, they actually say if your child has an issue to talk to the teacher, like they don't want to hear from us. So lo and behold, my daughter comes to me and she says, I, um, I'm in geometry honors. I hate it. I I can't, I'm like failing. I want to drop it. And I said, okay. I said, I'm okay with you dropping it, but not before you discuss with your teacher. So she sets an appointment with the teacher and I hear on the zoom, the teacher go, oh my gosh, thank you for making an appointment. Do you know how many kids drop my class without ever talking to me? And they worked out a a thing and she, um, you know, the funny thing is she ended up dropping the class, but it's like, this is like her favorite teacher now because the teacher talked to her and said, you know, I think you can do this, but you know, it's going to take this much time. And if you feel like it's taking away from other things, then that's fine. And so much so that it was past the deadline. She called the counselor and said, I I would like Mira to be able to drop this class. It's, It's just a lot. And she learned to be, and I didn't talk to the teacher the entire time. She was, I wanted her to be a self advocate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just having a conversation like, and these kids are scared. You know, these kids don't even want to like, I'm like, here's $5. Go, you know, when I'm pumping gas, go inside and buy some chips. No, you do it. And it's like, (laughs) you need to be able to go in and buy some chips. Like that's, you, you need to be able to do that and on count change and things like that. And, um, the funniest thing is I always say, um, people, uh, always say, Oh, your kids are so good. They're always outside. And I'm like, if I let my kids play video games for 24 hours, they would. Oh I'd my God. Mine outside. too. Mine too. It's, yeah. It's not a choice. Like it's not, they're like, Oh, they, my kids never want to go outside. Uh, you're the parent. Yeah. They go outside. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's just, um, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't want to give them too much freedom and you also want them to be a self-advocate. But of course, I'm constantly checking in with my kids. Like, 
how are you feeling or this, or how is this affecting you? And let's try and problem solve. So yes, that part is overprotection. I don't say like, hey, go out in the world and figure it out. It's constantly like, let's debrief on the situation. Even if I have an issue with them, like I lose my temper. I don't always act my best self. Like a lot of times I'm not my best self. And it's just going back. It's like, oh my God, I lost my temper. I was so frustrated. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Just more communication. And apologize to your kids. I feel like so many parents feel like they don't have to apologize to their kids. But if I yell at my kids or I'm cranky with my kids and I flip out over something stupid, then I owe them an apology for doing that. Like there was no reason for it. But I find so many parents are like, I don't need to apologize to my kids. You, you need to empower them to apologize. How they're going to learn. They learn from us. They learn from the things that we do and, and what they yes. see from us. And and, you know, I feel like there is, like you said, there's this line between you want them empowered, but you also want them to, to do the things, you know, and I, I make my kids go outside and play when it's nice out too. And they, and my son, my son loves video games and he's like, I'm so bored. I'm like, I don't know, be bored outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, well, what do I do? How long do I have to be there? And I'm like, and then once sometimes I'll like get in a groove and go, but it, it's just, that's just, you know, and I know when, when they're older and they want to stay indoors all day, fine. But right now, that's just not a choice. I said, you know, and they're like, you're the strictest mom ever. I'm like, well, luck of the draw. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they but they get it and they see, you know, they, they see how hard I work. It's all about leading by example. Like they mm-hmm. see that, you know, how I work out my problems. And I'm really honest with them. I'm like, I'm just having a down day today. Yep. And I'm going to work to do something to feel feel better. And um you know, I, I say, you know, someone hurt my feelings, but I realize they maybe didn't mean it. I'm going to work through this. I just have very open conversations with them. I want them to see me as a real person. Yes, I'm authoritative. Like they have to respect me and they have to listen to me, but also they have to know that I'm not like I'm real. Like I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to stumble. And I want to show them um, you have to fail in life. You have to, if you never fail. And I tell them the story about UCLA. I'm like, I never failed. When I got to UCLA, I was devastated. I remember I failed my first, I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And I, you know, you take um, uh, all these the classes. I remember I took chemistry. Oh. oh boy, I failed. I failed my first midterm. I never had gotten, I've never failed anything up until, you know, college. And my roommate at the time, um, she was pre-med and she was, oh, don't worry. Everybody fails chemistry. I took it three times. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do something else. She failed <laughs> chemistry, took it three times. She didn't get into medical school. She went to the Caribbean. She was so passionate about it. She's a happy, beautiful pediatrician at a top hospital now. No one knows how she got there. She got there from sheer determination. Yeah. I'm, so I'm the so- same as you. I had never failed a class in my entire life. I actually had never gotten less than a B in my entire life. <laughs> and I maybe had gotten like, 10 B's in my entire life. I get to college the first time. This is right out of high school. It's not right now because I'm obviously not young enough to be right out of high school right now. (laughs) And I went to this very like this uh, very swanky school up where I'm from. The one that I was I always dreamed of going to as a child because it was the school to get in up there. Like it was the um, the place to be. It was where all the smart kids went. And, you know, my parents were very pressured me to get A's like they, they would get very upset with me if I didn't get A's. So I was always an A student, except for like maybe those 10 B's. And I, I paid for those 10 B's because my parents were not happy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I get there 
And I realized, oh, I am not the smartest kid in the room anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not good. And then, of course, like, I I didn't know I had bipolar disorder. So I started, like, wiling out and uh, partying too much and just fluctuating from depression to hypomania. Depression, it was a wild ride. Um, And I ended up flunking out my last semester. Um, but before that, I had flunked several classes leading up to that, and I was devastated. I was like, I thought I was smart. I thought this. I thought that. Like, my first semester, I got like a D, and I was, I was like, what is this? I never know. I've never gotten a D in my life. I've never gotten a C in my life. <laughs> yeah, my life is over. I can't do anything. Yeah, know. basically, it was a mess. And you know what? I almost never went back to college because I was just like, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm going to do this again. And then I allowed myself to go back to college. I'm like, no, I am not a failure. <laughs> Good for you. And it's probably just made, you know, people failure. If It's how you rise up from failure. Right. Because, um, yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, it's not the, you know, that's why I was telling my daughter, I was like, I have to drop this class. If I get a C, I'll never get into college. I'm like, A, you're ninth grade. B, um, everything's a college essay. You can talk about how you were struggling and you persevere. (laughs) Always. Oh, there's always a way out. There's always a way to, to get, to get there. It might not be. And I I noticed during the pandemic, you know, people's whole life got exploded. Like the the plans, right? Like, Oh, I'm planning to go this. Well, all of a sudden the colleges weren't open or I planned, you know, my perfect prom and prom wasn't happening. And I feel like there was definitely uh, you know, the, the kids have, you know, depression and all that. And that's what we want to avoid because we can't control those outside of that. So I want to teach my kids, like, if something doesn't go to plan, pivot. Don't, I mean, you can be sad and upset and, and mourn that, but you can't hang on to it. You have to pivot. There's, you have to find a different way. If something's really important to you, there is a way and let's figure it out together. Uh, but you can't just, you know, give up and they're like, oh, forget it. I'm going to give up. I'm like, okay, well, you can give up if it's not important to you, but if it's important to you, you know, we can find another way. There, there's not one way. It's not black. Life isn't black and white, unfortunately, um, which is good, actually, I think. Like you failed out and went back and now you're getting your master's. I mean, and those are the stories we need to tell our children. We, we can't have them have role models that are like perfect. Um, I want them to hear stories about, um, you know, w- same thing. I now I graduated the master's in psychology, but um, I was supposed to be a marriage and family therapist. Well, you have to do three, you know, this, you have to do 3000 hours of, you know, counseling before you get a license. I did six months. I'm like, I could not separate myself. I was emotional mess. Yeah. I said, I can't do this. So I'm like, my life is over. I just got a master's and I'm qualified now to do nothing. And thank goodness. I had this amazing sociology professor that said, and I went in his office crying and I said, I just got a master's. Um, I'm at Pepperdine. I paid for this master's. I'm in debt and I don't want to be a counselor. So now I, I'm not going to have a job. And he said, oh my gosh, there's so many things you can do with a psychology degree. And he sat me down and, and I ended up going into market research. I love it. I still love it after 20 years. I'm very successful. Um, but you know, there's these myths that, oh, if you major in biology, you don't become a doctor, you're done. Like, no, there's a million jobs out there. You have to be a self-advocate. You have to, but you have to research them, right? They're not well-known. Yeah. I mean, I realized that I couldn't hold space for other people in the conversations I have, because I'm very open about my mental health, 
and everything. And people, because of that, people are drawn to telling me things about their mental health. And sometimes I'm great. I'm great talking to people about it. But then other times, if I am not in a good space, then I, I can't handle it. I remember one time I shared uh, that I was depressed because my, with bipolar, my bipolar disorder, it's mainly depression. Um, I get very severe depression, pre-meds. Now I'm, I'm a lot better, but anyways, um, I had this girl and, and this was totally wrong. Don't ever do this. Anybody listening, don't ever do this. If somebody, you know, posts that they're depressed or they're struggling, please don't do this. Messages me and starts talking about her sibling suicide. Yeah. And it just took me to a really bad place. And I was like, I can't, I like, that was, I had already realized I didn't want to be a therapist, but that was like the, like nail in the coffin where I was just like, no, I can't because like, what if I'm in a bad place mentally and I have a client that says something that triggers me and then I can't, I can't even like do anything like that's, that's not healthy. And I can't do that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, I tell people don't, or I'm telling people don't message somebody one, you don't message anybody about somebody's suicide. Anyways, you don't know what space they're in because I'm like mm-hmm. that, like I have, I've had suicidal ideation and I'm like, and I said, I was depressed on social media. Cause I like to share openly. So people feel comfortable, like, Hey, I'm not alone. And I'm like, what? would make you think that that's a good idea when somebody says they're depressed to share something like that because right. you know so <laughs> but that was the nail in coffin that made me realize like no I'm absolutely right I do not want to be in therapists I can't I can't hold space for other people like in that manner um so being a professor <laughs> if you can't but do think, teach <laughs> so. yeah. and I think and I think that you hit I think you made a really good point though because Yes, we can empower kids and you can do anything you want, but it's also about self-awareness, like kind of know your limitations and boundaries and then know what's good for you too. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you don't have to be a therapist, but instead of, but you can, you're still doing kind of therapy work through this podcast in that sense. You know what I mean? You find a different way to share in your comfort zone and help people. And that's how I felt too. Like, I just, I do want to help people, but I want to do it. Like I want to do it through empowerment, not just listen to issues and diagnose. And, you know, because it was, it was just too hard for me, especially with children. I did an internship with severely emotional disturbed children. That was the nail in the coffin for me. I knew bad things happened. I did not know. I I couldn't even fathom some of the stories that I heard. I I just, I'm like, this can't be real. Like this does not happen. And it's just, it scared the living daylights out of me. I'm like, I, I don't think I can emotionally function. I think I would just be a mess. And I credit people that can, and I love them. And thank you for doing that but it's okay to know your limitations or your interest or your love or what you can, what you can handle. I think a lot of times it's just, and and to, just like you said about apologizing, it's about self-awareness, like looking at yourself, go, okay, I wasn't my best self. I'm going to apologize. Or, you know what? I was my best self. I'm not going to apologize. This is where I need to draw the hammer with my kids. They just need to learn this. It's all about self-awareness. Like, and I think so many people are afraid to look at the dark parts of themselves and we all have dark parts. Like, I love that you share about depression because I think we want to, I want my children to grow up in a world where it's not a stigma because everybody gets depressed. Right. Um, Some of it's situation and some of it's brain related. Um, Like bipolar, that's a condition. (laughs) There's nothing fixing that except (laughs) except mood stabilizers. (laughs) Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, the, you know, we, we, in science, we're so ahead and 
there's all these amazing cures. We know really not that much about the brain. I mean, the brain is still, that's why all these brain diseases like MS and all that, those are not as far because we just don't know about the brain. The brain is so complex. And um, I always, I even teach my kids like, um, uh, you know, they're, they're so fun. They're both, okay, I am not sporty. My kids are so sporty. One's basketball and one's baseball. And um, both kids went through a slump. Like my, my daughter, like, you know, every basket, she's such a good player, but she went through the slump where she just kept shooting and nothing went in. And my son all of a sudden started striking out. So I, it's funny. Cause I, I went to them. I said, I know you never want to listen to me with sports cause I don't play it, but I studied sports psychology in UCLA with very top athletes. And I'm telling you it's 50% mental. I promise you it's mental. Mm-hmm. And I just did these exercises and these visual exercises. And I said, um, I said to my son, okay, when you're at the plate, what do you think? He goes, I'm worried about stri- striking out. I go, if you're telling me that you're worried about striking out, your brain is not going to communicate to your body. Your brain controls how you sweep. Your brain controls everything your body does. So if your brain is not confident, you can't have a confident arm or whatever. And we did, I go, tell your brain, you tell your brain, I can do this. You tell your brain, you have to prop up your brain. And you know, it's so funny. They both say, oh my gosh, it totally works. <laughs> then of course I said, oh, do you want me to teach your whole team? And they're like, are you crazy? <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> but we have to teach our brain. I, you know, it's so funny when um, talking, I teach my other kids about, I teach this to my kids about bullying too, because I'm very sensitive. So when people say something and my feelings would get hurt. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I try and I read all these books. I'm like, okay, maybe they're having a bad day, but I'd still feel hurt. So I actually did this thing. I actually say this when someone says something very hurtful, I I look and inside my head, I say, I'm going to observe, observe this. I'm not going to absorb it. And so I'm observing that this is a negative energy, but I refuse to absorb it. And it's, it sounds funny, but I'm telling my brain that because my brain needs to be told what to do. I think yeah. um, it's, it, it's got some bad habits. Our brains back from the caveman days are used to looking for danger and looking, everything's negative because everything's about to kill me and everything's about to hurt me. We have to get rid of some of those bad habits. And there's, there's some great books on like retraining your brain. I'm a big believer. Yeah, no, definitely. I read a, I read a book about perfection and I was just like, yep, that's me. Uh, if I can find it, I'll link it up in the, in, in the, um, show notes, but yeah, I was like, that's me. And it talks about retraining your brain. So you're not such a perfectionist. And, um, so anyways, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I would just like to say like, really, um, I think the best way to learn is from history. So really take a year to reflect on the pandemic. And, you know, we all had our own kind of traumas and successes and so forth. But remember, like, this is huge for our children. Like they went through something we can't even fathom. And so I think just make sure um, we're empowering them to get through because this is not going to be the last tragedy probably they go through in that sense or collective tragedy. And I think you need a support system and it can't always be your family. So instead of, um, you know, build one thing I have to say about like millennials and the good thing about social media is it can connect people. So I always tell my kids, find your people and connect with them because we're stronger in numbers. We're not going to survive stuff like this on our own. And I thought it was really, if you look at the history, um, I like actually, 
I mean, not that I like 9-11, but 9-11, we had someone to blame. An outsider came in and attacked our country. And we saw people coming together and really supporting each other. And in COVID, there's no one to blame. It's a nature thing. And I thought people were really like turning against each other. Like you said, the yeah. political and judgment and things like that. And just really pay attention to your children. I'm going to pay really close attention as we get back to normal and have very deep conversations with my kids, but teach them resilience and commend them for being resilient. Like, don't feel sorry for them that they lost a year of school. Commend them. Wow, I'm so proud of you. I know this was tough. I love how you navigate. Do not say, oh, don't worry. It's so unfair. I don't expect you to do this. I don't expect you to do that. Just focus on resilience and commending them and push them to be more resilient. You didn't, if you felt like you didn't uh, understand math last year, do Khan Academy for 10 minutes a day for the summer. You know, it's, it's up to you. You got to, yes, you did not get a fair shake, but it's up to you how you deal with that. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to put your kids in therapy if necessary. Definitely. Yeah. I Definitely. think a lot of people are, don't realize like what, like uh, how much of an impact this could have had on kids. Cause even if they didn't lose anybody, like everybody's different, everybody reacts differently. Um, and I agree with you. Like, I felt like the pandemic should have brought everybody together and everybody to like care about each other. And I just feel like it was the opposite like of that like there wasn't like this community feeling like like need to take take care of my community and the people around me it was like I mean look at the toilet paper shortage it was like an all-out yeah. brawl like people yeah, fighting like, over toilet paper <laughs> yeah and you're like you know you can use water <laughs> <laughs> or like don't hoard it and share yeah. it with other people like you that know. works too yeah there was a lot of like oh and a lot of blame like even if people got COVID well my kid, you know, got COVID because those parents are irresponsible and they left their kid. And it's like, we knew nothing about this. Like everybody took, you go outside your house and you're taking a risk. Own that and be smart and safe and take ownership and then just be better. You know, just this, there's, what's it going to do once you, if you blame other people? I mean, you know, so I, yeah, I think just, uh, checking in with your kids, you know, and, and just empowering them and focusing on the positive and, I have to say it can bring out creativity in people. I've seen this good thing on Facebook. You know, kids are really, really creative. If you mm -hmm. give them a goal, like, okay, I know you can't do this, figure out this way. They can come. They're smarter than us. Yeah. <laughs> they're smarter than us. Absolutely. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Megan. Again, good luck on your program. And I really enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for just having a, a platform where you have real conversations. I think we, we can learn from each other. Everyone should be real. We can learn from real people. And um, I, I really commend you. I think it's just a, a great thing to spread in the universe. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.